Our scripture reading from today, for today comes from Matthew chapter 13. We're going to read verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered, because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Listen then to, the, to what the parable of the sowers means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. We have a new response today, so if you'll read along with me. Lord, make your word our rule, your spirit our teacher, and your glory our supreme concern. For the sake of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, we got Good morning, everyone. Last week, we had a very exciting week. Um, not only was it Mother's Day with a little prank thrown in there, um, well, which I won't show pictures of today to stir the pot even further, Matthew Forrest in the back, but um, it was also another holiday for us folks who live in Kentucky. It was the Derby, right? It is the most exciting two minutes in sports, but of course there is all this hype that is built up all around it, right? There is fun and there is food, there is fashion. And then of course there's my personal favorite part of this experience, and that is watching everyone else around me try to pick the winning horse, all right? Everybody has all these different methods, don't they? There are some people who rely solely on the odds, right? And it can, that can go in either direction. Either they want to bet on what looks like the sure thing, or they want to pull for the underdog. Anybody, like, choose their horse based on, 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 the, on the odds, okay? Or they're the people who choose solely based on the horse's name. And they're like, oh, that one sounds fun. I'm going to pull for that one. 
Or there are the other folks who pull based on the, um, the silks that the jockey is wearing. It's like, oh, that's a nice color. Or there are some people in this room I've heard that have an inside tip that usually the the jockey wearing gray, is that correct? Always wins, right, Brittany? Okay. Um, <laughs> there are still yet other people who choose based on old wives' tales, like Carla. I've heard this is one you go by. Like, pick the one that doesn't want to go into the stall, right? Um, then there are all the people who study all the stats of the horses and probably have an Excel spreadsheet. Evan Harris is not here, but I'm going to guess that is him. And they make their choices purely on the math. But then there are those people who have kind of been around horses their entire lives, and they've watched lots and lots of races, and they've kind of developed this sixth sense. You know, they, they can look at a horse, and they can naturally just take into account all these different factors all at once. You know, not only like the farm that they come from and their trainer, but they can look at like the, the color of the, the coat of the horse and how shiny it is. And they can look for the spring in their step and the curve of their neck. And they can say, that horse, that horse right there, that horse is a winner. They know it when they see it. They know what to look for so that they can be confident when they say this. They have this skill that they have honed to notice what others miss. What if I told you that we as followers of Jesus have been called to hone this same kind of skill, but for a very different purpose? This sermon series, we're exploring our our basic Christian vocation to be witnesses for Jesus. And last week we said that, that being a witness Um, requires us to anticipate God's goodness. You and I, we are called to be the pocket of people on the planet who stay expectant, who continue to look up and watch for what God is going to do among us. That is the first step. We have to be watching for it, but we also have to know it when we see it. Witnesses know God's presence when he shows up. Witnesses notice what others miss as God's heavenly kingdom brings, begins to spring up right in our midst. Of course, Jesus was the master of this, right? He came onto the scene as he began his ministry declaring, repent. Why? For the kingdom of God has come near. In other words, the kingdom is here. And then from that point forward, everywhere that Jesus went, his kingdom began taking root all over the place. Why? Because Jesus noticed. Jesus noticed what others missed. He noticed the sick that the other other people around him had just written off. And he restored their health. He noticed the lame and the lepers who had been pushed to the margins of society And he he healed not just their condition, but their connection to community. He noticed these men who were plying their trade, having been passed over by all the other rabbis to be their disciples. And he took them and, and he empowered them and nurtured them to become a group of men who would turn the world upside down. He noticed the worth of women who others treated like second-class citizens, and he elevated them to play a critical part in this movement that he had gotten started. The list could go on and on and on, but Jesus knew it when he saw it. He was able to recognize where the possibilities of heaven were wanting to take root right here on earth. 
And as witnesses for Jesus, we have been called to hone this same ability to notice. Jesus, he talked about this in one of his many parables. He had been um, teaching in his ministry for, for some time at this point. He'd been going around declaring with both his words and his actions, the kingdom is here, but he was meeting some significant resistance. Uh, what had just happened is he noticed the possibility of healing a man who had a withered hand. And he didn't let the fact that it was the Sabbath stop him from doing what he saw God wanted to do so clearly in that moment. But there was another group of people watching this who didn't see that same possibility. Another group of people called the, the Pharisees who didn't have this on their radar. When they looked at their, their columns of do's and don'ts for a godly person doing anything on the Sabbath that might be equated to work wasn't on there. So Jesus was already kind of ruffling some feathers. But soon thereafter, Jesus notices the possibility of freeing a demon-possessed man of his demons. And so he does. But that just lands him in even hotter water with the Pharisees who look at him and they pretty much call him Satan himself. The Pharisees didn't know it when they saw it. They were missing the very kingdom that they had been watching and waiting for that was taking root right before their eyes. So much so that they go to Jesus at this point and they say, will you give us a sign? You know, all these miracles and all these things you're doing around us, that's great. But, you know, it just really isn't crystal clear to us. We want divine documentation to make it abundantly clear who you are. In essence, they want Jesus to like call down fire from heaven or some equivalent of that so that it would, there would be no question about his Messiahship. But Jesus refused to be a stuntman. The kingdom was already there. It was right in front of them, but they were missing it. Now, parents, teachers, adults in this room, you know how this happens, right? In my home, at least 1,536 times a day, and that is an exact number, okay? I keep count. But my son will explain this, exclaim this. He'll say, Mom, have you seen my... And just fill in the blank with any random object, right? And 1,536 times, I will yell out to him the exact location where that is located, only to have him reply back 1,536 times. It's not there. I already looked. You know how this goes after this point, right? And now exasperated mama has to get up and leave whatever she is doing, go to the location that I have already specified, and 1,355, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave a little room for error, but 1,535 times out of 1,536, guess what is sitting right there where I said it would be? The object, Right? usually a few inches away from his face. And so I wish I could say I just like always kept my cool and picked up the object and handed it to him with this adoration in my eyes. But a lot of times by this point, the frustration has already filled up inside of me. And as I hand it to him, I can't help but to say, how did you miss this? To which he often replies, I just didn't see it, right? I just didn't see it. Perhaps 
It's because he was distracted. You know, maybe he was watching his iPad or eating a snack while he looked. Maybe it's because he's like really worked up and anxious and that's clouding his vision. Maybe it's because he hadn't actually looked. (gasps) That would never happen, right? But regardless, the problem is not the presence of the object. It is there. It is his ability to see it, to notice it in that moment. Gratefully, Jesus, he is so much more patient than I am. And so after being asked for a sign from the Pharisees, instead of getting really frustrated and angry and upset and just giving up on the fact that they couldn't see what was right in front of them, he tells a parable instead. He kind of just launches it out of nowhere. Um, It's a story about a farmer who goes out and he starts scattering some seed. And some of the seed falls upon the path and birds come along and they just gobble it right up. Or some of the seed falls into the rocky soil and it, it might come up a little bit, but it really can't take root there. So when the sun comes out, the sun scorches it and it dies. Still yet, other seed falls onto the thorns. That kind of chokes out any life that tries to come up in that space. But then he says, there is the good soil. And what happens when the the seed falls on the good soil? It produces a crop that is 160, 30 times what was sown. It's a great story, right? It's like, oh, thank you, Jesus, for this great agricultural tale, right? But what does it mean, right? That's that's what the disciples were wondering as Jesus finished the story. And good for us, they weren't afraid to ask him about it. And we get to overhear his reply. And what Jesus explains is this. This is a story about the kingdom of God being sown right here on earth. And he explains that the seed sown on the path or the rock or, or um, in the thorns, it represents those who do not understand, who do not understand the kingdom that is breaking forth at one level or another. You know, maybe they just totally ignore it. Maybe they, they, they get excited about it initially and then they just give up when it gets hard. Or maybe it is that they are totally distracted by the wealth and the worries of this life. However, by contrast, the good soil, Jesus says, is those who hear the good news of the kingdom and understand it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I hear understand, I immediately think about something that happens in my head, right? It is this this intellectual exercise. It is this cognitive competence that you are able to say, this is or this is not the kingdom of God. However, in all actuality, the word understand used here is much richer than that. It is a word that that could be better translated as perceive. It's those who perceive. And when you kind of literally translate the word, what it means is this. It means to put it together. It's those who put it together. The good soil puts it together that God's kingdom wants to spring up right here, right now. It's more than this this fact in our head, but this seismic shift in how we see ourselves and how we see others and how we see the world around us. It is the shift that the poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning writes about when she says this. She says, earth crammed with heaven and every common bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. 
The rest sit around and pluck blueberries. Blackberries, actually. Big difference, right? We might have fans of either or. But um, the good soil is those who perceive, those who put it together, those who notice what others miss. Bushes of fire with the presence of God. The possibilities of heaven wanting to spring up right in our midst. I want to introduce you all to somebody today. Some of you might already know this lady. This is Carol Garb. Does anybody know Carol? If you go to Western Games, you're going to see Carol taking your tickets, right? And if you've been over to our Melrose campus, she's in the choir. She leads our prayer ministry. She does all kinds of things. Uh, But let me tell you a little something else about her. She's also a prankster, okay? So watch out when you see her. Um, It's not unusual for me to be sitting in a classroom or in an office and all of a sudden for it to go black, Because she takes great pride in being able to reach in her hand before you even know that she's there and turn off the light and disappear. You never have to wonder, though. You know that it was her. Um, But beyond being a prankster, Carol is a a person who has cultivated this ability in in order to notice. In fact, it's almost become automatic for her. A couple weeks ago, Carol was at Kroger, and it was a very busy day, and only two checkout lines were open. We all know the pain of this, right? Can I get a witness? So, Miss Carol had gotten her thing. She'd gotten into the very long line. She had waited there for a very long time, and she finally made it up to the cashier, at which time there was still a very, very long line behind her. In that situation, we've all been there. You know how we might want to play this, right? we probably want to get out of there as quickly as possible, right? So part of that might be like um, making sure you're getting your stuff off um, onto the lane as fast as you can and pushing it along. Maybe it looks like avoiding making eye contact with the cashier so that you can just keep this business, right? Make this transactional, get in, get out of there. But as Kara was standing there watching the cashier scan her items, Carol couldn't help but to notice something. To notice something that all those people before her didn't seem to catch. She told me that this woman behind the counter looked reticent, she said. And so she asked her, she said, are you having a good day? And the woman said, actually, today is the last day that I'm going to work for the next five weeks. At that point, Carol could have stopped, right? Remember, there's this long line of people back behind her, but she pushed further. She said, oh, are you going on vacation somewhere? Kind of knowing that that wasn't actually what was up, but the woman replied, no, I'm having open heart surgery tomorrow. Now, that's a critical moment, right? Again, like Carol could have just said, oh, I'm so sorry, and remembered all those people behind her. She could have started to get self-conscious and worried if it would look weird or be awkward if she said anything else. She could have worried that the people behind her might revolt if she did not hurry up. But without hesitation, and Carol said none of those things even went through her mind at all, she, she decided that she wasn't going to hurry, that she didn't care if it got awkward because she knew it when she saw it. She could tell that this was a moment when God was present and, and, um, and along with his presence were all the possibilities of heaven. And so she asked the woman right then and there, can I pray for you? And so the woman said yes, and Carol prayed over her, and the kingdom of heaven took root right there at that cashier counter. 
And when Carol finished praying, the woman thanked her with tears in her eyes. And there's really no way to know what God took that and used it to do from there, right? There's no way to know how God is going to multiply that seed that was planted in that good soil and bring hope and healing to that woman's life. You see, in the parable, Jesus says that the good soil produces a crop that is 100, 60, 30 times more what was sown. And what we need to understand is in that day and time in Galilee, if you planted a seed and you got seven and a half times what you planted, you are having a good day, right? People would have been really excited about that. And so yielding 100 or 60 or 30 times that would have blown people's minds. It puts the exclamation point on what God does when, when we put it together, when we notice the possibilities of the kingdom of heaven wanting to take root here on earth. He's able to take that little tiny seed of faithfulness and do so much more than we even know to expect. Back in um, 2018, we did a study here um, called Holy Conversations. We had groups meeting here at the Greenwood campus. We had groups meeting over at the Melrose campus. I'm sure some of you were a part of that. Um, On one of those evenings, we discussed around the topic of race. And um, I happened to be over at the Melrose campus on that night, and we had invited a guest to be there with us. His name was Abraham Williams. Does anybody know Abraham If you've met Abraham, you'll never forget Abraham, right? Um, Abraham is the director of the housing authority here in town, and we were talking to him about about issues relating to race in our particular community. Um, But then we just started talking about the area that he serves around the housing authority. And Pastor Adam just asked him kind of out of nowhere, like, what would you say is the greatest need in the community around the housing authority? And Abraham didn't hesitate one second. He said, we need a grocery store. Um, there used to be a grocery store there. Cal used to work there. The Houchins at Sugar Maker, Maple Square, right? Yeah, you were there. But it went out of business. And so that had created a, a big problem for that area because many people who live in that area do not have transportation. And so it was causing people to either have to uh, wait on friends or family to take them somewhere or was causing people to have to walk to one of the convenience stores where groceries are a lot more expensive and there not, are not very many healthy options, or it meant they would have to make hours-long trips to um, using the bus system to get to the grocery store, and then they could only bring what they could carry back with them. So it's this big problem. Um, I'm sure that Abraham um, had said that to many other people because one thing about that man you can know is that he is relentless in the best kind of way. I'm sure he'd said it in a hundred or a thousand places by that point. Um, And it was one of those things that we as a church could have heard and kind of thought, you know, oh, isn't that sad? And just moved on. It's one of those things we could have heard and said, oh, we wouldn't even know where to start on that. One of those things that we could have stepped back and said, well, surely someone else will take, take care of that. But for whatever reason, we couldn't help but to notice that this was a place where it seemed like God's kingdom was wanting to take root right here on earth. 
And so the very next day, we started showing up at the table at the housing authority, literally and figuratively. You know, we would sit down and we'd have these conversations with them over and over again about the need for a grocery store. And our first dream was that we would open up a storefront, right? Like maybe they would sell us the housing, the old houchins or the bread store or all these other places. But everything we tried, doors just kept getting slammed in our faces. But then the idea of something different was born. The idea of a grocery store on wheels that could, could literally drive right into the heart of the neighborhoods that were food deserts in our community. Megan's Mobile Grocery hit the road in uh, the spring of 2019, and now it serves hundreds of people and makes 30 stops every single week. I wanted to give you just a small glimpse today of how God took that little seed of faithfulness and how he has multiplied it. Let's watch together. On Monday, our great television investigative team told you about food deserts and rising food costs. Today, WBKO News reporter Brandon Jarrett spoke with Megan's Mobile Grocery and some of its customers who now rely on the mobile grocery for essential food items. There's sometimes that I don't feel like I want to go out into the public and, and into the busy grocery stores. 90-year-old June Kossel is one of the millions of people in the Appalachian and the Delta region who are food insecure. According to the USDA, 2.7 million in the region have limited access to healthy foods. Some regions, also known as food deserts, are regions that lack access to grocery stores. Megan's Mobile Grocery, a grocery store on wheels, has become a service many South Central Kentuckians like June now rely on. Nice to have the grocery store to come to you. And uh, he has a good variety of things that you can pick up and, and be able to. And the price is reasonable, too. You know, I, actually, I feel blessed doing it. I, uh, I'm a lover of people anyway, you know. It's, Danny Carruthers works the mobile grocery store. Customers provide Danny with a list, and he hand delivers the items to their door. To some, this service is more than a blessing. I get my groceries from him, big part and I don't leave my house. Everybody knows in today's world uh, the prices are going up and even if somebody gives you a ride, Uber, the cab, a uh, personal friend, ever how you decide to take that transportation, it gets very expensive because you need like 10 or $15 worth of items, it's gonna cost you 35 or 40 by the time you get back due to having to pay for, for, for your transportation. The mobile grocery makes stops Monday through Friday throughout Warren County, and you can view a full list on our website of those stops at WBKO.com. Reporting in Bowling Green, Brandon Jarrett, WBKO News. Every time we notice a need and step up, Every time we notice someone struggling and we speak a word of encouragement, every time we notice someone is lonely and go for a visit, every time we notice someone is hurting and we offer them comfort, the possibilities of heaven take root right here on earth. It's a skill that we hone to notice. It's an ability that we get better at as we go that enables us to know it whenever we see it. But here's the deal. We don't do it alone. The same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus himself, that guided him and helped him to notice when he walked up on this earth, has now been given to us. That Holy Spirit is our helper that helps us to see the possibilities of heaven as they are springing up. 
It is the same Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to his disciples that would empower them to be his witnesses in the world. And so this week, I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us to simply pray a simple prayer before we go into any place, be it our house, be it a grocery store, be it our workplace, um, be it a a ball game, wherever it is that we are walking into, take just one moment and pray this. Come Holy Spirit, help me notice what others miss. Would you pray that with me this morning? Let's say it together. Come Holy Spirit, help me notice what others miss. And let's see what kind of harvest our God brings. Let's pray together. Lord God, your kingdom is indeed breaking out all around us all the time. Heaven is coming right here in our midst, and we do not want to miss being a part of it. And so, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us, that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes wide to the needs that are around us, to the opportunities that are springing up, and that we would not make excuses that we would not play it off or decide we're too busy or, or that it might be too scary or awkward to lean in. But God, help us to seize that opportunity that is before us, that others might experience your goodness and your grace through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together.